welcome back to MVGA Podcast. Here at Make Veterans Great Again, our mission is to reach out to our fellow brothers and sisters in arms to conquer our mental health together. Just a reminder, you're not in this alone. Today, I'd like to introduce Corporal Carisco. He's a Marine Corps veteran, and I'm sure I just butchered that. So if you want to correct me, go for it. Hey, great to be on, man. I appreciate you reaching out. I've been looking forward to collaborating with you for some time. It's uh, Corporal Carisco. You got it. I ain't I, it's my last name, but people have been butchering it my whole life. So I'm used to it by now. <laughs> I could imagine. Uh, well, first of all, thanks for getting on. And yeah, bro, we've been talking for like a year trying to figure this out, but yeah, it's been a while, man. I, you know, obviously there's a lot of weird stuff and still is some weird stuff going on in the world with this, you know, pandemic, endemic, whatever demic we're calling it nowadays. But, uh, you know, it's good to be on. And, uh, just like I said, big, big supporter of the message. I like, I like what you got going on. Thank you, man. I'm trying to do good, do well for our community. All right. So uh, let's just jump right into the questions. Yeah, for sure, man. What led you to join the Marine Corps? So my, uh, you know, everybody has different reasons for joining. My uh, my grandfather is kind of, my father and I weren't very close. My grandfather was kind of my father figure, kind of my hero growing up. And he was a 24-year Fulbright colonel in the Air Force. He, uh, he was in Korea and Vietnam, got two bronze stars. He's, you know, he did, and he went on after that. He, he was on television on, you know, he was a meter. He was a meteorologist on Wink TV. He's just a Titan of a man to me. You know, he's a tall guy, six, three, six, four, you know, I mean? he's just this guy I really looked up to. And, uh, you know, I, I always kind of had a lot of respect for that part of his life because it kind of taught him many different things that he taught me as I was growing up as a young man. So I think subconsciously, I always had kind of an affinity to joining the service. Um, it wasn't really until when I was in high school, when I was, you know, I was an athlete in high school. I played, I played sports all four years of high school, multiple sports. It was kind of my outlet kind of thing when I was younger. And towards my senior year, I started seeing the recruiters coming by and stuff. And that's when I kind of started thinking. And originally I was thinking I would follow in the footsteps and do the Air Force thing. But uh, unfortunately for me, I was blind as a damn bat and dumber than a doornail. So the Air Force wouldn't take me. But <laughs> but uh, I uh, was fortunate enough to meet a recruiter by the name of Sergeant Lopez. Uh, me and him, me and him connected. You know, you know how the recruiters are. Right? You can, you know, set up at your school with a pull up bar. Hey, get over here and do some pull ups. And then you do like four pull ups because they start they don't count any of them because they say you're not going all the way down or your elbows aren't locked or oh, they want you to do the Marine Corps pull-ups and you don't know what the hell they're talking about. So uh, connected with him and he actually got me, you know, in gear to go. You know, I, I originally I was just kind of mowing around the idea. And then like after my last football game as a senior in high school, uh, that Monday, I walked up to him and said, hey, let's do this thing. Let's go to let's go take the ASVAB and let's see what we got. So I did that. Uh, unfortunately there was uh, some circumstances from when I was younger that prevented me from going as soon as I wanted to, I had gotten in some trouble with the local law enforcement. Uh, but so at that point in time, we had to kind of slow down the debt process. I was still only 17. So he's like, Hey, look, brother, you can't join. Like you have this, you know, thing here, this is, this is a disqualifier or a minor. We can't do this. So I went on about my life, uh, graduated, went to college for two semesters. And then I got a call one day from him and he's like, Hey brother, just checking in. How's it going? And honestly, like the college thing was going well, but I kind of felt like I wanted I still had that itch to go do something kind of bigger than myself. And when he asked me if I still wanted to join, I jumped on. I was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's make it happen. So I jumped in that February and then I shipped out. So that was the beginning of that process was November, my senior year, a whole year and a half went by. So I guess it was 
don't know, like 17 months in the delayed entry program or something like that. So it was a journey, but eventually I made it to the yellow footprints and I earned the title and just sitting here to tell the story now. Bro, those yellow footprints, I swear 90% of people lose their common sense once they step on them. <laughs> it's like the content sucks out of your body and just yeah dude like i don't know what happens that's my only uh logical reason or explanation for how that happens but yeah uh sounds like your grandpa did some shit is what you're trying to say yeah pops was the man bro pops was the man he was uh i i, I hold him in very high regard i miss him a lot he passed uh he passed about what is it 16 years ago today so or 16 years ago now so sorry to I hear that he had uh he had some he had some health problems throughout his life and he beat cancer a couple of times before it finally got him so he was a fighter he went down fight okay he's probably talking shit that you went marine corps but he's he's probably got he's probably <laughs> talking shit about a few things <laughs> but uh but yeah i'm looking forward to meeting him to seeing him again and sharing a beer and looking back and laughing on all this someday yeah tell, tell each other's war stories yeah for uh, sure I mean, you also sound like every other military story of getting in trouble, but it sounds like that happened long before you decided to join. Yeah, you know, the whole scared straight thing, man. Sometimes it takes, you know, getting your teeth kicked in or getting some handcuffs slapped on your wrist to realize you got to get out of the bad environment, right? Yeah, at least you got out, man. That's true, man. That's very true. I was very fortunate. I had a lot of uh, very positive guiding factors that led me to uh, not just my enlistment, but to where I am today. So I'm very grateful for sure. That's good. It's always good to have a nice, like, uh, I don't want to call them safety blankets, but like guidance, you know, like yeah, man. good support system. There we go. Come, come, hey, you know, everybody, you know, we all, we all, I'm going to make a cosmic reference here, but or, there's a, uh, you know, there's a North star in the sky that guides everybody North. Well, I think all of us have our own North stars in our life. And sometimes it's not just one. Sometimes there are several stars the stars could be people places things that guide us towards where we're supposed to go so and everybody's north isn't true north either exactly very true my man very true <laughs> so I, what, I bet you a lieutenant wouldn't know that though <laughs> bro the lieutenant's still looking north like asking where north is you know nothing, more dangerous, than, north nothing more dangerous than a lieutenant with a, with a, with a map right <laughs> uh so what was it like during the marine corps for you Man, I'm, you know, I, I talk to a lot of guys who have had different experiences, obviously, and, you know, based on where you're stationed, where you're deployed, you know, how your, how your training goes and things like that. There's all different kinds of stories that people have, but man, I tell you, I love putting on my uniform every day. Being a Marine, being a Marine is still one of the things I'm most proud of. Uh, they're definitely carried a sense of purpose. Um, you know, obviously there was, every, we all had to endure the suck to some point, some, some point or extent, but you know, the, the whole, the thing about the Marine Corps that I always loved and the thing that I still love to this day with the buddies that I still talk with is, you know, we're in the suck, we're in the suck together. So, you know, you're looking out for the man on your left and right. And, you know, if the real world was a little bit more like that, I think there'd be a lot less problems than, than we see today. But yeah, I, I definitely enjoyed my service, uh, you know, from the, you know, recruit trainings, obviously recruit training is, it's brutal, you know, just for this, honestly, for the pure stupidity of it at times, uh, physically, it wasn't very challenging for me mentally. It wasn't super hard. It was just the fact that you got 90 swinging dicks trying to get on the same page from, you know, 50 different States. So, or whatever it is, cause East West coast, whatever. But, um, you know, I, 
I, I enjoyed my time in service. I was actually supposed to be an, in, a, an enlisted infantry O3XX contract. But like I said, with my, my process and getting delayed so much, it was like, my recruiter was like, Hey man, look, this contract's open. Do you want it? And I'm like, no, no, I want my contract. This contract's open. Do you want it? And this went on for months and months and months until finally one day I was like, man, get me the hell out of here. I want to go put me in anything combat related. I'm fine. And he ended up throwing me in combat support. And I ended up on the gun line as an 0811, 0811 field artillery cannon crewman. So there's, you know, like, like you said, in the true North is everybody, you know, North, true North, there's a lot of different paths, but I ended up in artillery and honestly, man, I loved it. I loved it. I, I, it's not something I would have expected that I wanted to do, but if I could give anybody that never been there before one experience I've had in my life, it'd be on, a, it would be on, a, it would to be to give them the experience of being on an artillery gun line for a fire mission just one time. Yeah. <laughs> so it was awesome, man. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, separating, separating was tough for me. Uh, I went through my own kind of struggles with, sep- with having to separate but in the nature of my separation. Uh, due to the medical reasons and things like that. Uh, I had bigger goals for myself in the Marine Corps that I hadn't hit. I, you know, and there's just a lot that I felt like I left on the table, but again, you know, it, it, one door, one door closes another opens and it, it led to where I am now. And I'm very happy and very comfortable in the life I've made for myself post Marine Corps. So it's all, it's all kind of water under the bridge at this point, but yeah, I definitely enjoyed my time in service. I, the only thing I'd probably complain about was the, uh, the chow hall at Las Vegas was trash. But other than that, <laughs> things, Bro, things weren't. That chow hall is way better than Mateo's chow hall was. San Mateo? Yeah, I think you're right. San Mateo was garbage. Bro, we would get burnt chicken and you cut it open and it's still frozen. Oh, God. No, oh, no, that's rough. <laughs> yeah. We used to have, we used to get, man, I remember like we'd go eat. They'd be like serving slop, like literal slop. Be like, oh yeah. And it would be stuff. You remember you'd eat it on Monday and it would be back out there on Tuesday. And you remember because nobody would touch it. It would be the same exact tray of food. So you just pull that out of the fridge and put that, you didn't even make us new food. But yeah. We can sit here and complain about the food, but at least we had food, right? There's people who have it a lot worse in the world, I guess. You're right. <laughs> we we got food, I guess you could say. <laughs> yeah. uh, so did you borderline, know- borderline experimental level chow, but still chow nonetheless. Yeah. I mean, I remember getting like powdered eggs. They they just heated up with some water and they turned into eggs. Oh man, yeah, the the magic eggs. Yeah. So, uh, did you have any stories that of or anything traumatic that happened to you when you were in? Honestly, man, my my enlistment it, it wasn't trauma filled and things like that. We all had our own challenges. Uh, you know, I was on base when there was a. I was on base. There's a major accident. A couple of Marines got hurt in training and things like that. And it did happen, you know, fairly, you know, it was a fairly close event to me. Um, I did have a couple of buddies that unfortunately decided to, uh, um, to, to take things into their own hands and end things on their own term terms while I was in the service. But other than that, nothing super traumatic. I did deal with, as I said before, um, you know, I was, you can ask anybody who served with me. I was kind of like the, the PT guy I used to love, you know, perfect PFT, CFT guy, super, you know, and kind of engrossed in the knowledge, learning all about artillery that I could. So I was super dedicated to what, to my, to what had become my craft, you know, being a Marine is something that you can't take lightly. You know, you always constantly got to strive to be better, improve yourself on the daily. Otherwise you're going to fall behind. And, you know, you know, as well as I do, Josh falling behind just ain't, ain't, ain't cutting it in the Marine Corps. So, um, but yeah, you know, I, unfortunately we were training, we were on a, we were doing combat workups and I had a, 
an incident. They, they called it an allergic reaction. And, you know, I went from running, you know, running and gunning, wheeling and dealing, being, you know, motivated, you know, in shape, you know, knowledgeable Marine to, you know, struggling to even, you know, keep up with my peers. And, you know, I literally to the point where my body started shutting down. And then to the point where I couldn't even get out of, uh, we were in the, we were in the, we were at camp Wilson trying to train out in 29 palms. And I was literally just stuck in the, in, in the cot. Like I couldn't get up, whatever the MO is coming by and the corpsmen are coming by. Like what's going on with this guy. They all thought I was faking it. Uh, I don't know, whatever. Like my buddies by me, like, this guy ain't faking it. Like this guy's, this guy loves to be here. Like he wants to be here on the gun line with us, but he's just struggling with something going on. So they ended up casavacking me out of there at Balboa, out, uh, San Diego, uh, excuse me, uh, Balboa Naval Hospital out in California, uh, you know, and I, and, and they did some scans on me and they found out that my pancreas was inflamed to the size of a, a damn brat about that big. I don't know if you know about your pancreas, but it's a very small gland that lies under your mid upper and under your stomach. But my, my, my lipase count was like, like 200 times what it was supposed to be or something like that. So they were like, Hey, look, this guy's got pancreatitis. We got to figure out what the causes. I was basically a guinea pig for experiments for the next three weeks or so, you know, and then I'm sitting in front of this Naval commander who's a doctor. And he's basically, he's doing my scans and he's like, look, you got signs of cancer in your, in your pancreas. Like this is looking like it's a cancerous thing, whatever. Mind you, I'm, I'm 3000 miles away from any family that I have on planet earth. So I, you know, that's a very scary thing to hear when you're 22. Yeah. So jumping from that to, you know, obviously that's a segue to being, you know, so far away from your family and friends and your loved ones, you know, I was, you know, hearing some kind of news like that was really difficult for me to swallow at the time. You know, you go from being this gung ho, hard charging Marine, nobody can tell you anything. You think you're bulletproof to all of a sudden you're, Hey, Hey, uh, sorry, buddy. Like we're, we're, we're pulling your Eagles open anchor off your chest. Like you gotta go home. So that was tough. I mean, that was kind of what I dealt with. Uh, and, and just the months that ensued, it was tough. You know, I had my buddies that was on workups with that all deployed without me. I had other buddies that were deploying out to Afghanistan and other places that were, you know, off in combat zones and things like that. And I, I wasn't there. And, you know, some of these guys weren't, weren't fortunate enough to make it back. And, you know, I had to live with that. And I, I did do uh, a, a good amount of, um, I did seek a little bit of professional help uh, for, you know, some survivor's guilt and things like that, that I was dealing with. I definitely had a bit, a degree of separation anxiety when I was getting out as well. So, but, you know, as far as any major one, major traumatic event, I was fortunate enough to not be exposed to anything like that, but I did see a lot of guys come back and talk to a lot of guys since then who've, you know, I, I've seen the struggles that they kind of walk with and deal with every day. And, uh, you know, I, I, I always try to honor that in any way I can in any way, shape or form. So, you know, it's luckily, luckily for me, I didn't really deal with it in that way, but I dealt with it in my own way, I guess. Uh, you know, you get built up to be this hard charging war machine that nobody can tell you anything. And then something as little as quote unquote, an allergic reaction, you know, can just derail your whole plan for the next 20 years of your life. So it's tough, but we're here where we are now, man. We're, you know, life, life has many, there's no, there's no wrong turns, only unexpected paths. Right. Right. And I want to say first, I'm proud of you for seeking professional help and not trying to take it on by yourself and spiral downhill, even worse than you possibly may have been already. Yeah, you know, I I tribute that. Um, sorry to interrupt you, but I do tribute that to uh, the late Gunny Vessels. He passed away. He was actually he was actually killed in his home state after he got out. But you know, R.I.P. to him. But he was one of the guys that noticed it and kind of pointed me in that direction before I got out. And I'm appreciative to him about that. So big shout out, R.I.P. to Gunny Vessels. 
it's nice that you had someone looking out for you in that sense and yeah. your brother there for you. For sure. I think it's part of, that's part of the reason that we do, you know, we're on this podcast today. You know what I mean? Because we understand the significance of having that. It's the whole reason to be out there to like, see the signs, see the symptoms, but most importantly, let other people know they're not alone and that like, it's okay. Like everybody goes through their struggle and um, I don't want you or I don't want anyone even myself to like downplay our trauma or our experiences because we think or believe somebody else has it worse. Well, whether that's true or not, they have their own experience and you can only take care of and handle your experience. So if you want something through that was minor or you think is minor, that's still trauma to you. That's your trauma. You have to deal with that because it's yours. Like you can't let that hold you down because you think somebody has it worse. If Does that make sense? For sure. hundred percent. That's something I discussed, you know, and I, I had to work through that myself still to it. still to this day, you know, it's something that creeps into my mind from time to time. I definitely think that it's something that I have to acknowledge and you definitely don't ignore it. You have to, you know, when, when these things come, you have to understand why you're feeling the way you feel, allow yourself to feel that way. You know, you don't, you don't sit in the river and let yourself drown, but you definitely, you know, have to acknowledge it. You know, these things are, we're all human and I believe that the human experience should very much be a collective one. So we should lean on each other when we need to, but yeah, we all have to go through our own, our own separate, our own, like you said, you know, something might not seem like a big deal to one person. It seems like a much bigger deal to another person. So I definitely have a respect to that. And um, that's definitely something that was actually I've spoken about in a couple of the sessions I had when I was talking to a professional about it. So very insightful take there, Josh. I appreciate that. Yeah. And that's because I struggle with that shit too. Like I think to myself, like, why am I letting this bother me? Or why is that affecting me that way? Like, it's so small, like so many people are this, this or that, or even like, instead of accepting it and like working on it, I'll like almost belittle myself and allow it to like suppress me or keep me down. And like, eventually you just, me holding all that shit in is just like packing it into a bottle and all these little things are going to turn into a major thing that doesn't even need to happen. Yeah, man. Pandora only comes out of the box. You don't get back in. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, I a hundred percent respect that man. And it's something we all have. To, I mean, everybody deals with, you know, it's, we, every, we all have to practice what I call something called self-regulation, right? Like everybody knows to an extent what they can take. Like if it's something small and minor, you put it away, you deal with it later. It's not a big deal, but you know, these things that people walk with in life and they think they can't tell anybody about and they can't, they can't express themselves and they can't be who they really want to be because they feel like it's going to come up short or it's not going to be enough or anything like that those are the things we have to be careful of. And those are the things that over time, you know, if you, if you're really like paying attention, you can notice it. It's a little, you can literally watch it change somebody. And, you know, that's tough. It's tough. It's tough to watch, especially when it's, whether it's yourself or somebody you love, somebody you're friends with, somebody you're close to, you know, it's tough to watch somebody go through that struggle and see that change in them. And, not and 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 not that they you don't want to help or that they don't want help but they don't know how to ask for help or you don't know how to give them help you know what i mean so right and you also got to self-regulate your expectations because yeah you could be setting your expectations way out of reach for what you're trying to accomplish or do and you're allowing it to hold yourself back because you're not meeting or exceeding your expectations yeah big time big time that's powerful josh uh so what is life like wow i can't talk today so what it, what has life been like since you got out of the marine corps oh man honestly man i've been very blessed uh, highly blessed and highly favored i always say but uh you know i i got out of the service you know i was kind of in a 
all right, what the hell now mode, just kind of like a lot of other people. I mean, with a lot of other guys, you know, they kind of have an idea. All right, I'm going to re-enlist. All right, I'm getting out after four or going to school. You know, a lot of guys have that idea. I, I remind people that I served with like, hey, man, like at least you guys had a choice. You know what I mean? Like I, I didn't have a choice. It was like, hey, you got to, you know, turn in turn in your, your gear and, and go home, you know? So uh, it was very a very different circumstance for me than a lot of my friends, a lot of my peers. But, you know, I came home first thing I did was get a job, you know, <laughs> it's like, all right, I gotta, gotta start working. I can't just, you know, slum it out out here. Uh, so I went and got a job and got the job. I first, uh, the first job I could find was at this high rise condo as a security supervisor, uh, working, making like 13 bucks an hour or something like that, whatever. And I was, you know, going to school, but I went, I went back to school at the same time, used my GI bill, just trying to figure out what was for me. I knew that at that point in time, I, I had had an interest in doing something and, and, in customs and like, Law, I wanted to do law enforcement, but I didn't want to be a cop. So I was looking into like doing like customs enforcement or something like that. So, you know, I was looking into internships and things like that in the area down here in Miami. We have a very uh, large international airport. Well, not a huge international airport, but it is a hub down here. So there's a lot of uh, there's a huge demand for, you know, TSA and CBP and ICE and, and agents and things like that. I was thinking maybe I would want to do something like that. Um, and, you know, working at that condo over time you know, just having like interactions with people, I started to figure out like, Hey, you know, like I'm actually a very personable person. I can re I can, I can, you know, carry a conversation with pretty much anybody. I'm, I don't have like, I'm not very socially awkward. I'm very, you know, I, I'm lucky to say that I, I can literally get in an elevator with 10 strangers and strike up a conversation just for the hell of it. You know, I don't have a problem with, you know, talking and being open and, you know, uh, opening up the conversation to people. But uh, over time, that, that butterfly. Yeah, a mariposa. Um, so over time at that job, I kind of get get the idea that, hey, you know, I kind of want to do something where I kind of use my, my my people skills a little bit more, you know, be a little more personable. And at that time, uh, I had I had actually gotten selected for a paid internship, like to get to go to an interview for a paid internship uh, for a position that was opening at the Miami International Airport, working with a, a, a as a canine handler handler, um, working with canines for explosive detection and things like that, which was super cool to me. I love dogs. And I had, I had a little bit of experience working with, you know, over at the wounded warrior project before I got out of the Marine Corps. Um, I, I had volunteered over there and, um, you know, some of the veterans and their service animals. And I had a really good, I felt like I had a really good connection with that community. And I was like, Hey man, this is awesome. And so, you know, I did the, did the Marine thing. I got all clean cut shaved, you know, I had the beard, I shaved it all off and I went to this interview I go into this interview and I'm 20 years younger than everybody else in the room. And I'm like, Oh no, like, what is happening? And I go into this room with this guy and mind you, everybody else is in and out two minutes, three minutes, maybe tops. And I go in there and I talk to this guy for 25, 30 minutes. We have a long conversation and we're shooting it up, cutting it up. And he's like, Hey man, look, at the end of the interview, he tells me brass tax. He's like, let me tell you what's, what's what all those guys out there. They've got experience here. They're the guys we're looking for because we're going to open up this program and the guys that we train are going to train the new guys and, and so on and so forth. I can't give you this job, man. But what I can do is help you get the job that leads to this job. So if you want, he gave me a little packet. He's like, do this exam online, go through the hiring process and comes, you know, once you get hired on, once you got your feet wet, once you're in the, once you're working for a while, give me another call, I'll give you my card, you know, free, feel free to reach out to me at any time and I'll help you as any way I can. So I was like, oh, this is awesome. Like I got a foot in the door for sure. And then, you know, talk about getting kicked in the teeth and I, I don't know, we'll call it a redirect, a, re, a, a, a definite redirection for me. Um, but 
the guy came out and a couple of months later or whatever, I had scheduled the little computer-based exam thing that they make you do to get hired on for this position. And I had, I had, I had an issue with my health. I had to go to the hospital. I was hospitalized for like eight days or something because of the issues with my pancreas. And I missed the test date. And I called the people and I let them know, hey, you know, I'm sick. You know, I'm in the hospital, whatever. I won't be able to take the test. I need to reschedule. They're on the phone. Oh, yeah, no problem. You know, get well, get well soon. Then whenever you can get, you know, whenever you can take it, take it. And I was like, all right, cool. So I called them back like two weeks later. I was like, hey, I'm out of the hospital. I'm feeling healthy again. Like, let's do this. And they're like, I'm sorry. Like, not taking, not sitting for the exam counts as a fail. You got to wait 12 months. And at that point in time, I was just like, you know what? I don't think I want to work for the government anymore. So <laughs> completely turned that page. And I was like, all right, let's go figure something else out. Right at that same time, uh, a man that worked, that actually lived in the condominium building that I was living in, uh, working at rather, approached me. He's like, hey man, what, what's the deal with the beard? Like, what, what happened? You know, like, why, 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 why are you showing, why, why are you naked chin now? And I explained the whole situation to him and he was like, oh, okay, cool. And he's a guy that I had interacted with on the regular. And he had noticed that kind of like my, my, my personality and my attention to detail, you know, like residents would come in, I'd be hitting the elevator buttons on the computers before they even got into the elevator. I remember where everybody's floor was, remember everybody's dog's names and things like that. It was a little attention to detail, you know, like little things that you pick up. I mean, everybody in the Marine Corps has to have attention to detail to some extent, but I think that that was something that I had before I even uh, entered the service. And still to this day, I pick up on things like that, but uh, he had noticed it and he approached me later on that week and he's like, Hey, you know, I have a need for an assistant. You know, if you want to come check it out, if, if you don't like it, you know, at the very least I can help you get another position, but I want to help improve your quality of living any way I can. You know, I, he had known that I was a veteran. He's like, I appreciate your service. And if I can help you, I will. I have a pretty good network down here. So let me know. And he's a, uh, he's actually a, uh, at the time was a financial advisor at a company called Northwestern Mutual. You might've heard of them, but, uh, we connected and I interviewed with a few different people and then I had a final interview with him and we sat down in his office and had a glass of scotch. And he was like, look, I'm re- I want, I want you on my team. I think you'd be a great fit. Let's see how this thing works. And six and a half years later, you know, we're, we're, we hit the ground rolling. He's one of the top producers in, in our company, in our region. He's the estate and business planning specialist. He's a CFP uh, certified financial planner and charter fi- financial consultant. I'm a fully licensed advisor now as well. So, you know, I had to take several exams and things to get to this level, but, you know, it's, it's something that I love to do. Uh, we get to sit down with people and help them every day. I never feel like I'm like being shady or like doing deals just to get paid or anything like that. I don't feel like I have to cut corners and things. We get to sit down and have real conversations with real people, uh, discuss real world problems, whether it's in the financial and the a professional or wherever they're going through, you know, because we're financial advisors, but we're also kind of like financial therapists because a lot of people's problems and a lot of people things, things going, going on in people's minds, a lot of the stress you deal with have to do with finances. So you hear a lot about things that people are going on and a lot of what people are dealing with. And, you know, it's a lot to, it, it's a lot to unpackage and you sit down in front of somebody and, you know, I've literally had some people sitting in front of me that are, you know, eight, nine figure, you know, uh, net worth clients and they'll break down in front of you because something happens. That's really, you know, you think, Oh man, this guy's a juggernaut. Like this guy, this guy, you think he's got it made. He's got no problems in the world. And and then you hear some real stuff. This this guy's telling you he's going through every day, you know, like, wow, you know, it's humbling. You know, everybody goes through it. And the way I grew up, I grew up with a single mom. She raised me and my two sisters. Um, You know, she worked for a nonprofit organization, so we didn't have much. So, you know, we were lucky. We were able to get by because she was superwoman. And, you know, she did everything she could for us. And, you know, we never missed a meal. We always had everything we needed. So I was very thankful to have that. But, you know, now I'm in a position where 
I can help people plan to, Hey, let's, let's put our family in a better situation. Let's hit these goals that we have for ourselves. Let's hit these three to five year goals, five to 10 year goals, where we want to see ourselves. Let me help you create the best future. What's the, I, I literally sit in front of people and say, what's, what is your ideal future look like? And how do I help you get there? And then we sit there and we'll, you know, we create a relationship and that's what I have. I don't have clients. I have friends. I have relationships with people. And that's how, that's what I like. That's what I love to do. And you know, we've been doing it for six and a half years now. I've got a lot of goals ahead of me on what the next 15 to 20 years of doing it look like. And, you know, I'm really excited about it. That's awesome, bro. I'm glad to hear you're on a good path. I appreciate that, man. <laughs> who would have thought he was your new North star? <laughs> who would have thought? Exactly, man. Exactly. The true North. <laughs> right. yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm very thankful, man. He's a great dude. Uh, and, you know, just a great person to be around, to be a sponge, man. The guy's just, a, it's always got these always a guy that is, you know they i heard it said once that if you're the smartest person in the room you're in the wrong room and you know i never I, you know me being working alongside somebody like him i feel like there's always something to learn always always something to learn and he probably learned something from me every now and then too you know he probably takes away it's not a parasitic relationship by any means so <laughs> right. you know you to pick his brain and he picks yeah it's symbiotic you know yeah. back and forth but yeah but yeah man i'm very blessed you know i'm a associate financial advisor at northwestern mutual um, we're, you know, unrolling some great things, doing some great things, helping out our community. We give back, we sponsor a lot of, uh, BFW memberships down here. We, uh, we used to contribute to the PBS station down here to try to get more educational programming for students, uh, for kids on TV. Um, that's kind of scaled back since they kind of did the switch to digital. So all this stuff's like kind of weird now with that, cause everything's kind of like online and stuff, but we're still trying to look, look, look for ways to make more of an impact in that space as well. But that's another big thing. Like we're very successful and consider ourselves very blessed for what we're able to do. So we like to give back and like to turn around and say, Hey, you know, how can we, how can we um, create a trail for other people? How can we uplift the other people in our community around us to, you know, use our platform for, for something positive. So what you're saying is you want to sponsor a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what we're saying. Smart move, my man. Smart move. Hey, man, you got to get your foot in the door, right? There you go, man. There you go for sure. But yeah, man, that's, uh, again, another reason that I, I'm happy to come on here and talk and speak with you and contribute to the conversation. I'm, you know, I love what you got going on, this whole idea like, hey, buddy, call, buddy, check. Don't just sit here and worry about the, you know, do, don't just sit here and do push-ups for, you know, don't get me wrong, raising awareness for mental health is is always, you know, a great thing. But you know, instead of just thinking about the guys, the 22 a day, the suicides, think about the guys to your left and your right that are still here with us. that are struggling. Like talk to them, tap them on the shoulder, go call them, see if they want to grab a beer, jump on a zoom call. You know, like if they're on the other side of the country that you're on, pick up a phone, give them a call, plan a trip a year from now, a year and a half from now, you know, not everybody has the money and the resources to be able to just get up and go, but Hey man, we, we SMEAC baby, five paragraph order. Let's figure it out. Let's get it. Let's get it going. Let's figure out how we make this happen. So there's ways to connect. There's definitely ways to connect. And there's definitely brothers who need that connection out there and brothers and sisters that are that are looking for it and yearn for it. Because, I mean, you get out and you lose one thing that you lose is that camaraderie. And there's really nothing like sitting in a freaking fighting hole in the pouring rain out in the middle of the suck with your battle buddy. Like, there's no camaraderie like that. You guys got to get through that together. And you're going to and, and that's that's going to build a bond that's going to last the rest of your lifetime. So it's not really many things in the civilian world you can do that can can replicate that bond. So it's important to hold on to those things and check on those people and then be that and and be that, like we said, true North when somebody needs you to be, you know? Right. Cause you're both uh, experiencing the best and worst time of your life. 
yeah, exactly. becomes the best when you're out looking back <laughs> in the middle. It's, of that, it. it's that moment of misery, and I can remember very, very uh, specifically a moment like that when you just look at each other and you're just so miserable, you just start cracking up, you're just dying laughing. You're just like, well, this sucks, but you know, whatever. Make up yeah. random songs or games to play. Yeah, right. we used to what we used to do on the gun line. We'd sit on the gun line and we'd start at the beginning of a movie. And go all the way through a movie and try to cite it word for word all the way through. And you get there was a couple movies that my gun was good at. You know, we did like Forrest Gump. We were real good at Forrest Gump. Uh, there's a couple of them, you know. But yeah, little things like that, man. Definitely, definitely. So uh, since you've been out and you've grown a lot, right? Uh, what are some positive ways that you cope with any trauma, depression, PTSD, anything like that? You know, so I actually listened to a Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan uh, spoke about this recently. Um, as long as, you know, I and we all go through our own challenges in life at our different paces and things, but as long as I'm constantly challenging myself, uh, whether it's, you know, something small or something very large, um, as long as I'm constantly striving towards something and working on something, it helps me block out kind of, or rather um, mitigate any of those like lingering doubts and negative thoughts in my mind. Cause I can always lean back and be like, I'm working towards this. I have this going on. I have that going on. You know, they say the idle, idle hands or idle mind is a devil's workshop or idle hands are a devil's workshop, whatever, whatever rendition of it you've heard. But I believe that, you know, because you're going to sit there and if you've got nothing going on, then you're just sitting there with yourself. And what are we? We're our own biggest critics. So we're going to sit there and nitpick and start beating ourselves up and, Oh man, I shouldn't go to this event. I don't have anything to wear. Oh man, I'm putting that on. Oh, I don't look good in that. Or, oh man, you know, my friends want to go out, but I'm not feeling great tonight. What the hell's wrong with me? Why can't I just have a good time? Things like, you know, you're just going to sit there and beat yourself up. So, you know, it, it really helps to have a great support system. Uh, I, I'm fortunate enough. I have a mentor. Um, uh, we spoke about him already. He's a very positive uh, mentor in my life. He's helped me redirect in times when I felt like I was kind of when, when I might've been towing the wrong, towing the wrong line and, and heading down the wrong, heading the wrong path. But, um, you know, I, there's, there's definitely, I think when I'm challenging myself, when I, when I'm setting goals for myself and holding myself accountable, it's what keeps me at my happiness. Cause as long as I'm online with that, as long as I know I'm working towards something, I'm happy. I'm like, Hey, like I got goals. I got things in line. I got things hidden. I got things in front of me that I want to be, I want to be great. I want to crush these goals. I want to accomplish great things. Um, and just having a good balance, man, that work-life balance is important. You know, and I do, you know, I, I, I do work. We, we do sometimes, you know, work 60, 70 hours a week. And sometimes I work 20, 30 hours a week, you know, um, if we, and sometimes, you know, I'm luckily, luckily that I'm at a point that I, I'm able to take vacations that are paid vacations and things like that. And I can go enjoy, you know, some time with my loved ones. I can, you know, you know, take it. I can take a day and have, and, and, you know, like today I can take a day and go bring my girlfriend lunch at work and things like that. Like I can do things like that. And, you know, uh, recognizing when you need to do those things to keep your balance like in check so that you're able to produce, produce at a high level is important. You know, if you just get worked into the ground every day and you feel underappreciated and undervalued and you have no way to lean on and things like that, you know, and if you're not exercising and eating well, you know, I, I, I don't think that depression is, or, you know, anxiety and these things are unavoidable to an extent. And I don't think that it's anybody's fault, but I feel like if you aren't doing these things and creating that balance and, you know, having a healthy routine, then you're not really giving yourself much of a fighting chance, you know, against these things. So that's, that's kind of my mentality on it. Um, I do cope my, my own, like I love, I love exercise. I love physical, like physical activity. I love sports, um, spending time with loved ones, you know, especially family as I'm getting older, I, I learned how, how important and how precious that is. 
um, making time for people that are important to you in your life. You know, whether, you know, you're super, super busy or you've got nothing going on, making, making time for those people that are important to you and those things that are important to you. And then enjoying those moments, you know, when, when you do have those moments and you do spend that time with those people and those things, recognize that you're able to do that and enjoy it, you know, to the fullest. And the last thing I'll say is, you know, we get so caught up in the destination, right? Everybody, we all do this. Everything's, we live in this, this era of gratification. Everybody needs gratification. Oh, well, you're working. Yeah, exactly. You know, and we're working towards a degree. Oh, well, you don't have your degree yet. Oh, well, I'm working towards this promotion. Well, you haven't gotten promoted yet. No, you know, you got to sit back and enjoy the little wins. Yeah. Maybe you didn't get the promotion this week, but you did hit a sales goal or you did hit a new bonus or you hit something else. Like, Stop and stop and enjoy it. You know, the journey, the journey has a lot of little hidden, hidden fun along the way. You know, the journey, the journey's, the journey's what makes it beautiful. You know, the journey's what makes it worth, worth living. So, you know, you got to stop and, you know, somebody reminded me of that recently also, you know, Hey, like enjoy your little win, you know, when you, when you, when you crush a goal, when you have something going on, great, like enjoy it, you know, don't, don't get so fixated on the next goal before you stop and recognize the hard work and the dedication, everything that went into this one stop enjoy it you know go celebrate in your own way whatever way you want to be you know whether it's something as small as you know buying yourself a fancy bottle of scotch or going on a fancy trip you know something like that you know but you got to enjoy you got to enjoy the little wins along the way because we all know life will kick you in the teeth enough to know that the defeats and the, and the getting knocked on your ass hurts but the little wins along the way if you keep celebrating those and striving towards your goals that's what makes it all worthwhile that's what makes it all special so that's what i think that's good. You have a lot of good ones and you sound really positive and inspirational. Uh, you were talking about your goals. Oh, like a freaking shrink, huh? <laughs> Whatever works, right? So yeah. you have your goals. Uh, you have long-term goals and short-term goals. Yeah. Goal mapping is something that I do for sure. I definitely have like my six to 12 month goals and I'll set up like one. Uh, then I'll set up my short-term goals for like my um, things I want to do this year, things I want to do in three to five years, things I want to do in 10 years. Um, and, and those goals will vary. Like some of them are, and, and, and in all aspects, my personal life, professional life, uh, you know, and, and all, all these different, all these different categories, it's important to, to, to do it across the board, not just like get uh, tunnel vision on one thing. Like, I don't want to just focus only on my career. Right. Um, I'm, I'm currently working and have a great career. Like, um, like I told you, feet are firmly planted here, but I'm still going to college on the side. You know what I mean? I'm still looking for ways to expand myself and ways that I can um, you know, do more that I want to do things that I'm interested in. I love cooking. I, I make time to learn new recipes and things like that, get in the kitchen and cook something new. I love to eat, which is why I love to cook, but uh, you know, so you know, things like that, you know, you got to create these goals for yourself. And then, and, and, you know, people say that, and, and there's two takes on this and you tell me what you think, Josh, but there's people who say you should create goals for yourself and then keep it to yourself because, you know, people will put like negative energy towards your goals. And I think that that's true to an extent, but that's probably because you're telling the wrong people. If you got good people around you, a good circle who are goal oriented people and people who are striving to, to achieve something and you tell them what your goals are, now you got somebody to hold you accountable. Now you got somebody to uplift you when it's getting tough. Now you got somebody that's going to check in on you during the journey. So I, I like to, I, I don't, I don't sit here and broadcast my goals to the whole world, but I do have a few people that I'll tell, Hey, look, this is what I got going on. This is where I'm heading. This is what I want to do. I know it's going to be difficult, but I know I can do it with the right, you know, mindset and the right, the right system in place. I definitely can make this happen. And then I go get it. I just go and lace up my boots and go to work. So that's, that's definitely, a, I definitely think goal mapping is important. 
okay, so to answer your question, I would have to, uh, I don't know. It goes both ways. Like, I feel like you shouldn't tell people cause you should keep it to yourself. But yeah. then like, sometimes people just want to talk. They, you need to express yourself and where you want to go and how you got to be. And it just does depend on the group of people you're around, which goes back to like, if you're the smartest person in the group, you're in the wrong group. So like, yeah. if you're telling other people in your group about your expectations and they're crushing you down, then they don't have high expectations for themselves or anything else, or they're jealous and envious, you know? So they're not like good people to be around. Yeah, man. They want to see you doing well. They just don't want you to see them doing as well as you sometimes, you know, or as well as them sometimes, right? They don't want you doing better than Just like you said, maybe you're in the wrong damn room. Maybe you're surrounding yourself with the wrong people. And that's a tough, and that's, that's a tough pill to swallow sometimes. You know, you got your buddies that you've known for 20 years and I'm sure you, you've experienced this with your podcast. I'm sure you got complete strangers like me. I didn't know you like jumping on and supporting and then probably people you've known your whole life that won't even repost your repost your your stories or things like that when you're trying to expose you know get awareness and things like that going and you're just like oh man you can't like what's up you're not supporting me and then like oh no you know it's not a big deal but you know to us it's like hey man like i'm working towards something here can you help me out like i mean i know i would help you out if i was in your shoes but you know it's there's there's different takes on that but i i agree with you man there's there's definitely both sides of that argument i can see how introducing it to other people could could bring those kind of negative energies if you're sharing with the wrong people but you know if you have a good like i said it all comes down to if you got a good support system or you believe in yourself that's another thing to reiterate you got to believe in yourself people like nobody's got you like you got you you got to at the end of the day if you say you can do it you can do it you got to get up and put in the work and some days are going to be tough some days you're not going to feel like getting up and getting it but guess what at the end of the day you believe in yourself and you put in the work and the time and the effort, you'll make it happen. It'll happen. It's just a matter of time, baby. You just got to keep on chop, just laying, lay, lay one on, brick, on. lay one brick, one brick at a time. That's all you got to do. Right. If you don't believe in yourself, then, uh, you're never, then people's opinions going to matter more and you're going to take the negative as negative because you don't believe in yourself for doing it. But back to your goal mapping, do you actually write that down or do you just do it all mentally? Yeah. So I did. I do what's called a vision, a vision statement. Um, that was that was what I did this past year. Uh, I've been doing that with my mentor slash partner at work for a couple of years now. And it's like, I don't really like to sit there and itemize goals on a paper, but what I'll do is write like a story and be like, hey, you know, today, um, you know, we're setting sail on the new boat today, whatever this not, like something like, I'll create a story that like touches all the goals that I have. Like, oh, I was able to hit this sales benchmark and, you know, me and, you know, me and uh, my, I was able to help my mom get into her new condo this, this, this year and things. I, I'll write out an actual story because I, I, I think, and, and I'm going to go into a quick tangent here and I'm pretty sure you'll appreciate this, but and I was telling, I, I talk, I tell, I'll tell, I tell this to people often, humans in general, you know, you think about how you spend your time reading, reading books, you know, writing things down, watching movies, watching television shows. Uh, going out and watching plays, seeing like live shows, music, things like that. We're we're fascinated by story, right? Like we're very fascinated by this concept of storytelling. So what we constantly do, I've found, and I do this a lot, and it's very hard to untrain this because it's just a I think it's just a human thing, you know. And psychology today articles will will say say the same. Like I've read a few psychology articles on some of them will combat it, say that you can unlearn it and it's conditioned and it's got to do with certain things. Who knows? But, you know, the thing that you have to do is not allow yourself to create stories that become 
obstacles. You know, like don't, if you don't have all the information, don't populate that information with the worst case scenario. You know, like, oh, why, why did this guy not answer my phone call today? He must not want to be on the podcast. Damn, he doesn't want to be on my podcast. My podcast must suck. Damn, why am I even doing this? Screw this. Close my computer. I'm never doing a podcast again. It's very easy to go there, but we don't go there, right? We say, hey, you know, whatever, move on to the next one. Maybe the next guy will connect with me and this will be a great experience and it will help some people. And maybe, you know, it'll encourage some of my brothers to reach out to each other and this will build this awareness and this community that I'm trying to build and it'll help my platform and it'll help my brothers. And at the end of the day, that's the goal. So, you know, we want to we want to very, be very disciplined in our minds to not create those negative stories for ourselves. So what I do with these vision statements, I create a very positive story. It's a story about me hitting every single goal that I have for that year. And then I and then I what I do is I, I write it all. I, I type it out and then I put it on. I have a, a work, a binder that I have for work. And I and I put it in the sheet protector of the front page of the binder. So every day when I open up that binder, my, my doing my my, you know, my daily notes and things like that, I'm looking at that vision statement. And sometimes I'll sit there and read it, you know, when I'm having a rough day at work, I'll close the binder and read it, things like that, you know, just to give yourself a little, little up from just to remind yourself, Hey, why am I doing this? So, so you're writing um, an autobi- your own autobiography while living it. Yeah. And, 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 and in a way, yeah. Cause you know, anybody can, and everybody has their own method. You know, some people do like goal boards and they like get together with a bunch of friends. I think that's like a, a common trend that, you know, it's like a TikTok trend or something, <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, get together with some friends and have some drinks and put some goals down on a board, or you might just sit at home, make a bullet list on Excel or Microsoft or something and look and look at that every couple of months and update it. I like, I like being interactive with it. I like being, make it relatable to me. I don't want it to just be words on the document. I want it to be my story. I want it to be, I feel like it holds me more accountable and I feel like I want to get up and get it. Like I, I read it and I'm like, yeah, you know, I got to this part. Oh wait, I haven't done this yet. I gotta, I, I gotta get this going. I gotta do, I gotta do what I can do to make this part of this story true because this is where I want to be this time next year. So that's, that's, that's my mentality on it. The, the long-term goals and things, you know, those change so much, <laughs> you know, your three to five year goals, five to 10 year goals, you know, the more you grow up and the more you learn about yourself, the more you change. And it's okay. You should be able to edit these goals. You should be able to move things around. But, you know, I, I don't, I don't per se have like uh, set in stone. I don't carve it into the walls kind of thing, but I will make note of things. I will say, Hey, you know, you know, five years ago, I said, Hey, I want to be a financial advisor. I was at that time, I was just a, an operations guy. All I was doing was generating application paperwork and calling clients and setting medicals and things like that. Like for like the back end of the business, like I was sitting in a back room, I was making a, I was making a salary, like, uh, like an, like an hourly wage, whatever. And I was like, you know what? Like, I, I like this and I want to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to put some time in and I'm going to focus. I'm going to make this happen. So what did I do? I started educating myself. I started surrounding myself with the right people, started digging myself, immersing myself in the knowledge, passing the license exams uh switching my discipline in, in school from you know the I was doing the CBP ice thing to criminal uh criminal there's a criminology degree I was doing I switched that to business now then I did the finance core now I'm gonna be chasing my MSF the master you know the the masters of science and finance you know um or chasing a designation whichever one of the two I, I decide to go you know I'm trying to see if the BA will hook a brother up we'll see what happens <laughs> but um but yeah man you know the 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 I, I do map definitely the short-term stuff, but I do it in my own way. And I encourage everybody out there, if you're gonna if you're gonna write down your goals or do or anything in life, you know, any of these things, make it your own. Make it make sense. It doesn't have to look like somebody else's for it to be correct or right. Make it your own. You know, just make make it something that 
isn't going to drag you down to something that's going to uplift you and something that you can look at and, you know, in a positive way and, and something that'll motivate you, you know, only, you know, what motivates you uh, at the end of the day, you can listen to all the David Goggins videos in the world and all these, you know, uh, all these motivational uh, quotes on Instagram that get posted and things like that. That's fine. You know, Hey, that's all good and dandy, but only, you know, what motivates you. So it's important to find that and to hold on to it and do whatever you can to, to fan, to, to fan that flame. Right. I, I actually like that method that you just spoke about. Like I've never heard anyone say, usually when they uh, write down their goals, it's like bullet points or like uh, one of those posters, a vision board or anything like that. Yeah. I've never heard anybody write a story of yeah. what they want to do. And to me, that sounds like it holds more weight uh, to you than just words on a paper. Yeah, like definitely bullet points and words. And, but no, like you made a story and like, you got to make that story come true now. Yeah, definitely. Definitely true, brother. And it's definitely true for me. Um, what's true for me isn't true for everybody. But like I said, make it your own, you know, make it your own. Right. And to go back a little bit, you said uh, like people just start thinking negative, like, oh, he didn't answer my podcast. He doesn't want to answer my be on the podcast. My podcast must suck. I have <laughs> this. I came up with like this theory. I call it the telephone game, but the telephone game of thoughts, right? So mm -hmm. we'll say, for example, your girlfriend, she always takes the same route to work. She makes a right-hand turn, but this day she made a left-hand turn. And your first one or two thoughts were like, ah, oh, she just went left instead of right. Like, no big deal. The more you think about it, the worse it goes on. Like, oh, she went left on a purpose. She's lying to me. Oh, she's not. She went left. Now, all of a sudden you get from thought one like she turned left she just went the wrong way all the way to like wow she's cheating on me and you built this whole <laughs> fucking story up yeah. when the moral of the story was she wasn't even paying attention she made a left on accident you know yeah it's the storytelling thing man i'm telling you man humans are fascinated with it you know it's okay to tell stories you just got to keep that negative that negative track out of your mind but yeah that's a good point man <laughs> that's humorous yeah so uh i appreciate you being on the show um i say we can wrap it up here you did you had a lot of good words to say and like you explained things and I liked hearing your perspective and seeing the growth that you've showed me in your life already, you know, like you're a real positive person. Uh, do you have any final words or anything you want to say or ask? Yeah. Hey man, uh, again, I appreciate being on. Uh, thank you for taking the time. And again, I just want to applaud you for what you're trying to do. Um, it's not easy. You know, I know it's, it has, it's definitely, it's definitely not something that's overnight. You can build something like this, but, what you're doing and what you're trying to accomplish with this platform is something that I strongly support and something that I want to help with any way I can. And I want to get my buddies connected. I want to talk to the community I have down here and see what we can do to help. And if we can help, I will, but you know, I, I want to reiterate one thing I said earlier to everybody out there. It's, you know, your life is, your life is a journey. Enjoy your journey, you know, find ways to enjoy it. If you don't, you're only here once, you know what I mean? You if it's what, it's very easy to get caught up in the minutia, the little day-to-day -day bullshit, getting stuck in traffic. And uh, my mother-in-law, my mother-in-law makes my life a living hell. And uh, man, my my girlfriend, my girlfriend thinks that I'm not, you know, buff enough, or I'm too fat, or something like that. You know, it's very easy to get caught in these little things. But this is your journey. You know, if there's something in your life going on that you don't like, make a change. So nobody's 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 holding a gun to your head and making you do keeping you in the situation that you're in you know do what you got to do to protect the peace and the love and the tranquility for yourself and your family and everything else will take care of itself 
You said that very well. Thank you for uh, just being on the show. Thank you for everything. Yeah, man. Uh, I'd appreciate it if you can hook me up with more people, but if not, <laughs> you've done more than enough by just being on here, and I truly appreciate that. So, yeah, man. Thank Thanks you. again, man. Thanks again. I appreciate it. It's great to connect with you. You came very highly recommended. Moses is a Moses is a good a good dude, so I can see why he spoke so highly of you and, and wanted me to connect with you here. But thanks again, man. I appreciate what you're doing, and uh, hope to keep the conversation going on in the future. Sounds good. Look forward to talking to you again.